Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Today's topic is all about mushrooms medicinal mushrooms and all things mushroom related. I'm so very excited about today's show because my special guest is Jeff Chilton. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Jeff Chilton studied ethnomycology at the University of Washington in the late 60s, a founding member of the World Society for Mushroom Biology and Mushroom Products, and a member of the International Society for Mushroom Science, Mr. Chilton's company was the first to to offer a complete line of certified organic mushroom extracts to the U.S. nutritional supplement industry. Namex extracts are used by many supplement companies and are noted for their high quality based on scientific analysis of the active compounds. Jeff, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Hi, Dr. Carey. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Full disclosure, I've never heard of ethnomycology. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what got you interested in these mushrooms? Well, I, uh, I was born and raised in the Pacific Northwest in the Seattle area. And the Seattle area, is uh, we've got lots of forests. We've got lots of rain. And so in those forests and everywhere else, we see mushrooms coming up. And, and at an early age, I was able to get out and do some mushroom hunts with uh, you know, parents of friends. And, and uh, I just kind of took a fancy to them. And, and when I got to, to university, well, my, my actual major was in anthropology and and mushrooms sort of I was still very interested and so I started to study the use of mushrooms by indigenous cultures worldwide and found that uh, certain mushrooms were used in native healing ceremonies and other mushrooms were used as food and so that just kind of got me started and uh, it became my field of study so uh, yeah that and and here's the thing that uh, when when I left university of course I I can't get a job in anthropology of all things and there's not many positions for that so I went to my, my mycology professor and I said well you know I'd really like to kind of grow mushrooms and he pointed me to a, a very large mushroom farm that was 60 miles away and I went down there, I applied for a job, and I ended up getting a job, and I was just totally excited about it. And I ended up staying there for the next 10 years. Mushrooms are not like typical plants. What makes them different? Well, mushrooms are, are in between animals and humans, and uh, they one of the things uh, that you have to understand about mushrooms is that a mushroom is just one part of this organism. Uh, the mushroom is like the apple on the tree. That's the fruit. And, and what we don't see is uh, something called mycelium, which is in the ground, in a tree or in wood. And that mycelium is a fine network, uh, thread-like network that absorbs nutrients from, I mean, mushrooms are decomposers. This organism is a decomposing organism. Without mushrooms, we would be um, deep in all of the leaves and branches and all the rest of that uh, organic uh, litter that's out there. So they're decomposing and helping us out. But the mushroom is, is this what we call a fruit body. It is the, the fruit of this mycelial organism. So, so, uh, and that's what we see, and that's what we end up eating, and that's that's really the part that we're discussing today is this mushroom. 
So can you talk about the nutritional value of mushrooms? When I interviewed um, Dr. Terry Walls uh, of the Walls Protocol fame, um, one of the things that she recommends is that her patients eat nine cups of vegetables every day and that uh, they should always get a daily dose of mushrooms in their diet. Oh, good for her. <laughs> That's wonderful. You know, the um, um, nutritionists, classical nutritionists, have always looked at mushrooms as nothing more than a garnish and and something that's uh, flavorful. But the fact of the matter is, is the reason they they spoke this way was because mushrooms are very low in calories. But mushrooms actually are, are a fantastic food. They, they've got a good amount of protein for a vegetable. It could be anywhere from 20 to 40% protein. They've got a high level of very quality carbohydrates. And they're also really high in fiber. So mushrooms are going to feed our microbiome because they pass through us relatively undigested. But that fiber, and here's, here's what's really interesting about mushrooms, is that their cell wall is made up of a compound called beta-glucan. And maybe you've heard of beta-glucans because they're in yeast, but mushroom beta-glucans are what have the immunologically active compounds in them. So that's where all the research has been focused in terms of, of the activity of mushrooms. So when we're eating mushrooms, we are getting those beta-glucans, and then when we supplement with different mushroom, what we'd call medicinal mushrooms, we're getting those uh, beta-glucans in a little more concentrated form. So, so in terms of being a good food, mushrooms are not only uh, um, healthy for us as we eat them, but also through supplementation. And what I like to think about with mushrooms is that to me, they're, they're one of what we would call uh, a nutraceutical, and they're something where they are food and food as medicine. So I'm always telling people, put mushrooms into your diet before you even think about supplementation. Put them into your diet, eat them, and there's some delicious, delicious mushrooms out there. And let me tell you, as somebody who's worked on a mushroom farm and for 10 years and lived with mushrooms, literally lived with mushrooms, I love eating them. They taste wonderful, and I encourage all your listeners, try the mushrooms if you haven't eaten them already, but they're a delicious and wonderful food that also will act as a medicine. So if I'm understanding this right, right, um, Jeff, all mushrooms have a certain amount of beta-glucans, but medicinal mushrooms have more concentration of beta-glucans. Absolutely right. Yeah, the, all because because this beta glucan is found in the cell walls of of mushrooms. Every mushroom will have a certain amount of those beta glucans. But what what happens is that the beta glucan has a very distinctive architecture, and each mushroom will have a little bit different architecture. So certain mushrooms, their beta glucan is more active than the other mushrooms, and those particular mushrooms are what we would call the medicinal mushrooms, and there are probably, I mean, just to give you an idea, I have a book that is uh, from China, and this book lists 270 different species as being medicinal, uh, and you're sort of like, oh my God, <laughs> where do we start with this? Well, the in traditional Chinese medicine, they focused on about a dozen of these species and scientists have now demonstrated that those particular species have this active beta-glucan architecture and some of them even have other compounds in there that are that are very helpful but that's the difference that's the difference is in the way that particular beta-glucan is structured and so can you talk about the benefits from taking mushrooms um, you know, mushrooms that we get at our typical grocery store versus medicinal mushrooms. Sure. Well, you know, again, believe it or not, those those mushrooms that we get, um, that the ones that I was growing in the beginning at this very large mushroom farm and what we see in almost all of the markets, that particular mushroom actually has medicinal values. It's not as well known as some of the other ones, but... But um, the uh, 
what you should think about when you think about medicinal mushrooms is prevention. And that's, that's I think, their, their biggest benefit is they, when we, when we consume them, they are going to sit in the background. They're what's called a um, uh, host defense potentiator. So there's something that that um, if if we need some help immunologically, they will activate. If we don't, they'll still kind of sit there. But they're there, and they can help us. And in a sense, they're they're what uh, are considered to be an adaptogen. And an adaptogen, the whole focus of these types of uh, herbs or foods is they promote harmony and balance. And for me, you know, Dr. Carey, when I think about health, I think about it in terms of balance. What, what has become out of balance? What is it that is, is uh, harming us in that sense? So it's, it's sort of like this whole idea of uh, a yin and a yang or, or just um, rather than looking at it as, oh, we've been attacked by something that we've got to fight it. No, I look at it as, as okay, we're, we're out of balance. Where, where is it that we can modify what we're doing, our behavior, or what we're consuming to bring us more back into, into this balanced position? And that's where mushrooms really come in. They're something that are going to help us to um, maintain that balance. Um, they're going to um, support adrenal function, build endurance, uh, counteract stress. So... That's that's how you really have to think about it because that's where they're working. They're sort of working. They're not going to work immediately. So if somebody takes it and and expects something to happen and tomorrow they'll no longer have that cold or that flu or whatever it is, that's not how they work. You really have to be taking them in a regular way and and then they will be there to help you when when you are challenged in some way. So then... Um Tell me if I have this right or wrong. Basically, you're saying that all mushrooms have some amount of immune balancing or immunomodulating effect and an adaptogenic effect. So it helps balance our immune system and it helps balance our stress. Yes, that's absolutely right. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's, that's, that's how they've been used traditionally. Now, now, in saying that, there are specific mushrooms that have certain activities that go beyond that, for example, reishi mushroom. Reishi mushroom is considered to be something, it's got these special compounds in them called triterpenoids, and those are something that work with our liver. And so if, uh, if someone has liver difficulties, you'd want to be taking reishi. Um, that would help with uh, purifying the blood. In fact, one of my on one of my trips to China, I, I spoke with I was at a conference and I spoke with a traditional Chinese uh, physician, an older man who who told me reishi was his primary herb that he used for the liver, and I thought, well, well, that, that's really interesting to hear because that's what a lot of the research tells us as well. So there are specific mushrooms that will act in that. Another is lion's mane. A lion's mane has been used traditionally for dementia. Well, um, now they've got some studies out. There's a recent study in Japan where an uh, actual placebo-controlled study where two groups uh, of 30 patients each, one took lion's mane for 90 days, the other didn't. After 90 days, and this is a, a study where they're taking certain tests to, to uh, demonstrate cognitive ability after the 90 days, uh, the group taking the lion's mane showed an increase, increased cognition and memory. The interesting part about this study was that after they stopped taking lion's mane, 30 days later, they tested them again, and they went back to the baseline. Now, I'm not sure whether that means you're going to have to take lion's mane forever at some point, but, but the fact is, is it did sort of demonstrate that the lion's mane did have this type of activity. So certain mushrooms will have other activities that can be useful to us when we're looking at medicinal mushrooms and say, well, which one should I take and, and which one is more powerful and what are the different attributes of these mushrooms? So there are different attributes for the different mushroom species. 
And for our listeners who want to learn more about those aspects, uh, what do you recommend for them? In terms of uh, where they can get information or, or just what, what um, particular mushrooms to take for what? Yes, both. Well, you know, we have a lot of information on our website. We have um, um, general information, specific information. We have uh, references there that people can, can uh, look for. Um, there and 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 plus, there's there's a lot of information out on the internet now. Now, having said that, let me let me just give you a caveat because one of the things that I really do not like is there are companies on the internet and they will make claims for mushrooms that you know. For example, right now, if you search on chaga, you will discover that chaga does just about everything in the world that it can help you no matter what's your problem, it will help. They promote it as a panacea. I'm very, very opposed to this kind of uh, talk and this kind of presentation about mushrooms because to me, there are things that, that medicinal mushrooms will do, will do and primarily getting back to the beta-glucans and the immunological work that these mushrooms will do. But when people tout mushrooms as something that will have a hundred different benefits and and they will push it out there as for example chaga now a lot of companies say oh this is the i know chaga is very popular right now so i'm glad i'm glad that you're bringing it up jeff well and 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 it's being sold as the king of mushrooms and what's interesting dr carey is that having been in the mushroom industry a long time back in the 70s the king of mushrooms was being touted as shiitake. And then in the 80s, the king was being touted as reishi. Yep. And then in the 90s, the king was maitake. And now, yep. Yep. Now, it, now it is uh, chaga. So, so please uh, look past the marketing hype. Um, it's, it's not helpful for anybody. Um, it's just people trying to sell products and... For me, and what I want to do, and what I do with my company is, is if a mushroom has been used traditionally, if there's a history of traditional use, and there is with chaga, then I look towards the science and I, I research. Okay, what does science tell us? Do they are there studies that actually demonstrate activity in certain ways? Then that's something that that then I will say. Okay, this mushroom is an important medicinal mushroom and has some value out there, and then that's something that I will offer to people. But otherwise, the last thing in the world that I want to do or that I think is is uh, valid is to make claims about the, the hundreds of different things that, that these mushrooms will do. And, and here's what it's based on a lot of times is, you know, scientists will take any given plant or mushroom, they will... They're looking for activity. They'll they'll refine it. They'll pull out a fraction. They'll test it against something, and then they will say, "Oh, we've demonstrated activity with this mushroom against some particular uh, disease." And and what's happened is is okay. That's all valid research, but they've taken uh, something that maybe occurs in a very small amount. They've tested against something, and and nobody's going to get that benefit from the mushroom. It's interesting from a scientific point of view, but a lot of times what they're doing is simply drug discovery. They're just looking for some compound that ultimately they can refine and into a, a drug, and that's a world away from what we're talking about here, which is, is consuming mushrooms as a food and or taking um, a, let's just say, a, a mushroom extract as a nutritional supplement. So so you have to be very careful when you're looking at the research. Jeff, three years ago, you published a white paper that had a profound effect on the nutritional supplement industry. Can you tell us more about that? Well, yes. I, I, uh, I took 95 samples, and these samples consisted of dried mushrooms and the dried mushrooms just the straight dried mushrooms is what we used as a baseline for our studies this is this is what we looked for a profile 
Um, I took mushroom extracts, and I also bought 40 different retail products. And we tested these products for beta-glucans, and in the beta-glucan test, they also had compounds called alpha-glucans, and alpha-glucans are starches. And we also tested for uh, triterpenoids in the reishi and for a compound called ergosterol. Ergosterol is really interesting because it's the fungal sterol, very similar to our cholesterol, but it's ergosterol. It's what a, a fungus uh, produces. Ergosterol actually is uh, a provitamin D. So when you expose mushrooms to sunlight, ergosterol will actually turn into vitamin D. So you can actually get vitamin D from mushrooms by exposing them to the UV light in sunlight. But we were able to use ergosterol. It's one of those tests to demonstrate the amount of fungal matter in a product. And and this is where things really got interesting because a lot of products that are being sold as mushroom supplements are not actually mushroom. And this gets back to what I was talking about earlier in terms of the stages or the different parts of this organism that we often refer to as a mushroom. People, rather than selling the mushroom, which is what has been used traditionally, they will grow this mycelium, which is the vegetative body. They will grow it in a laboratory on sterilized grain. So, so you can imagine they, they take this uh, grain, they, they uh, put it into uh, plastic autoclavable bags, they sterilize it, they inoculate it with the mycelium. This mycelium will grow over all of this grain. It won't consume it, but it'll grow over this grain. And after 30 to 60 days, they will take this bag of myceliated grain and they will dry it and grind it to a powder without removing the grain. Now, what we discovered in, in our beta-glucan test was that it ended up that the beta-glucans in these products were very, very low. They were on average about 6%, whereas an actual mushroom and a mushroom extract had anywhere from 25 to to 60% beta-glucan, and that's what we want. We want beta-glucans in the product. A mushroom does not have starch. These products were absolutely full of starch from the grain that was the main part of them because the grain was not removed at the end of the process. So, so they ended up being very high in alpha-glucan, which are the starches, which is the exact opposite of what you would see in a mushroom. A mushroom actually doesn't even contain starch. And this is, it gets back to where, how, where mushrooms fit in with uh, plants and animals, and and mushrooms, believe it or not, they produce glycogen, just like we produce glycogen as our storage carbohydrate. But the amount of glycogen they produce is is very low. It's maybe one to five percent max. Well, these myceliated grain products actually were were um, a lot of them were. 40, 50, 60% starch. And the beta-glucan level was very, it was just the absolute opposite of what you would expect to get from a truly mushroom product. So, so we, in a sense, with my study, exposed uh, what I would consider to be an adulteration of products out there. And, and, Believe it or not, the majority of mushroom supplements on the market are these types of products. And so, so for me, I, I published my study. And the interesting part about it was that my study was corroborated by other studies that came later. One of the studies that was recently published by United States Pharmacopeia, which is a huge organization in the United States that... that um, um, makes the standards that are used for pharmaceuticals, uh, for herbal products. They, they did a study with, on reishi mushroom, very deep study, and they, in their study, they determined that only five of 19 mushroom products, and they did the same thing I did. They bought these products off the Internet. They're bottled products. Only five of 19 were actually 
reishi mushroom that you could actually consider them reishi mushroom and, and what was interesting is that I had been in contact with them during the study and three of our extracts that we sent to them were part of that group of five mushrooms that passed their tests and, and I, 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 I completely knew this was going to be the case when I did my study because the fact is is I know the process I know how this process works with growing mycelium on grain. Uh, um, and when you don't separate the grain out from the final product, it's only common sense that you end up with a lot of starch from the re residual grain. So this is something that, that people really need to be aware of when they're looking at uh, going to buy a mushroom product. And the only place that you can actually discover this is if you were to turn it around and look at the supplements facts panel. And there... If you're lucky, these products might say mycelium, and in the other, where you list other ingredients in this particular supplement, sometimes a company will say myceliated oats or myceliated rice. Those are giveaways right there, because what happens is, and, and, and this is what's really deceitful, Dr. Carey, is when you look at the front panel at the label, it will say reishi mushroom, shiitake mushroom, and it will have a picture of a mushroom. Sometimes it'll actually say on there, made with 100% organic mushrooms. Well, it's just simply not true. So as you were speaking about your white paper and the research you did, um, so basically you're saying that they took these mushrooms and they grew them in abnormal conditions, you know, conditions that, are not what Mother Nature intended. And so then the end product is different. Just like if, so in my head I'm thinking, well, that that's, you know, also kind of the difference between um, free-range pastured chicken eggs versus, you know, chicken eggs that are factory-farmed, uh, you know, chickens that are oh, shoved yeah. into little cages and, oh and never see the light of day, or, or well, uh, cattle that are, like, fed grass as mother nature intended versus cattle that are fed grains like the end product is radically different well and, from and it a goes beyond, yeah from a nutritional perspective well and it, and it goes it goes far beyond that because actually what's happening is is we don't have a chicken at the end of the line we don't have a, a cow at the end of the line what we have is this this uh, other stage of this organism and there's a world of difference between this mycelium and the actual mushroom. The mushroom produces a lot of compounds that the mycelium does not produce. The mycelium is a is a fairly um, it, its purpose out there is to amass nutrients and then put up this mushroom. It's a fairly simple part of this of this plant that we call a mushroom. So, so when we're talking about it, and this is where it gets very confusing because people will, will use the term mushroom when in fact that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a completely different stage. For example, I mean, we could call something ginseng and in a sense, okay, ginseng, but there's a difference between the root and the leaves or the, the stalk. Just like if yeah. we take an apple, there's a big difference between that apple and the actual tree itself. Uh, one way to look at the, the mycelium is, is to look at them as the root system that ultimately produces this mushroom. So, so what happens is these companies talk mushroom, 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 and people, it, it's very confusing because people think, okay, what about this mushroom product? Well, I, I say, well, First of all, it's not a mushroom product. A mushroom is what you can look at and see it's growing out of the ground or, or in whatever it grows in. So that is the mushroom. What we're talking about is the mycelium here that is grown in a laboratory. It's, it's not even grown under natural conditions. And this is something that, that is very important because the mushroom that is produced by this mycelium, it's... It's uh, a lot of the important compounds that are in that mushroom come from the wood 
that it's growing in. So it needs the wood because the wood has precursor compounds that allow it to produce some things like the uh, triterpenoids, for instance. Without that wood, you're not going to get those important compounds that you would get in reishi mushrooms. So, so not only is this fungal organism not getting the correct nutrition, but what's happening is you're being sold something that doesn't even have mushroom in it. What it has is it has this mycelial stage, which is the what we call the vegetative body, and what is grown on. So, so think about that for a second. Okay, you go out and you, you harvest a plant, and you pull up the soil, and you take the soil with it, and you consume the soil. <laughs> That's not what you want to be consuming. You, it, I mean, there's nothing wrong with mycelium, nothing at all. And, and mycelium gets produced uh, in liquid culture uh, and can be sold in its pure form. So it's 100% mycelium. But this is mycelium that's actually grown on grain, and the grain does not get, get removed from it. Think about it as, um, are you familiar with the product called tempeh? Uh, yes. Okay, tempeh. Tempeh, Dr. Carey, is actually fungal mycelium that is grown on cooked soybeans. It's a food. So when you see tempeh and you buy tempeh, you, you get it, you open it up, and here's this really interesting white block. You, you slice it, and you see the, you see the soybeans in there. And so you've got this white mycelium, you've got the soybeans in there. That's a really novel and interesting food that's been been uh, um, manufactured for, who knows, thousands of years in Asia. It's, it's a, a great food, but it's mostly soy. And this is very similar to what these companies are producing and calling mushroom it's they're not producing mushroom they're producing mycelium on a grain and that's what they give you in the final product and unfortunately what it turns out is that that product ends up being mostly starch from the residual grains that that are in it and it doesn't they don't have the 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 compounds that you would get out of a mushroom that has been grown on its natural food source, which, interestingly enough, most medicinal mushrooms are grown on wood, and they're, they're wood decomposers. Okay, so from a very practical standpoint, if I go to the grocery store, or if I'm on the internet looking for a medicinal mushroom, you know, supplement. Yes. So, I, so I'm looking for a medicinal mushroom product. What should, be, what should I be looking for on the label? What what well, is the red flag that this is probably garbage, <laughs> and what what is it that I'm looking for that says this is a great product? Okay, um, the real tell on this is if it says made in the USA. Isn't that interesting? Because you know I'm all for local products, totally for local products. But but the issue is that as a mushroom grower, and and I that's my trade from way back as a mushroom grower, I can grow mushrooms in North America and I can take my mushrooms to the marketplace and I can get $5 a pound for those mushrooms and I'm like very satisfied I make a profit. However, supplements are sold dry. So a mushroom, like most vegetables, is 90% water. So the minute I take that pound of mushrooms that I've gotten $5 for and I dry it out, now I have to get $50 for that same pound of mushrooms. So the reason why these myceliated grain products are manufactured in the United States is because economically you cannot grow the mushroom and sell it as a supplement. The economics are not there. And that's the big issue. And, and uh, let me just say this about what what we do is in the in the um, in 1989 I made my first trip to China. I traveled throughout China all through the 90s. I visited farms. I went to conferences. I visited factories. I went to scientific research institutes. It was amazing. That's 
China is the birth, birthplace of mushroom cultivation in the 12th century. In 1997, I went to China with OCIA, which is a one of the largest organic certification companies in the United States. I took OCIA to China with me, and I organized a, in fact, the very first workshop for organic mushroom cultivation in China, 1997. I totally believe in organic certification. I consider it very, very important because the food that I eat or sell, I want it to be clean. So, so within a few years, we had organically certified mushrooms coming out of China, and these mushrooms were not being certified by Chinese certifiers. They were being certified by, by German companies. So, and, and when we when we sell our products, and when they come to us, because our mushrooms are processed over there, we contract for mushrooms by from small farms. They take them to our processors. We process them into extract form. Before they leave China, we test them uh, for heavy metals, we test them for pesticides, we test them for microbiological. When they arrive in the United States to go to our warehouse, we test them again. Every product is tested at least twice, and we cannot sell them if they don't meet those standards that are out there, especially for heavy metals and especially for pesticides. I mean, every product we sell is tested twice because, you know, Everybody thinks of China and they think, oh, my God, I would never consume anything that was produced in China. And I understand that. I understand that totally. And, and I know China very well. And, and yes, just like, just like in North America, we have areas that are heavily polluted. You look down at the Gulf Coast or something like the Gulf Coast of Texas or those places, polluted. And we've been trying to get over that in North America. So going to China like I did, I, I'm like after realizing that I can't grow mushrooms in North America and sell them as a supplement, the economics are not there. I went, I have to do it in China. So I took an organic certifier with me and we established that in China. And there are places where we grow our mushrooms where the environment is quite clean. And we've got people there supervising the process where what we get is not a polluted product. It's a high quality product. So, so the red flag, getting back to this, is... Is it made in the USA? And and here's the thing that is so difficult is that those USA products, which are myceliated grain, they'll say certified organic. They'll say kosher. They'll say made in the GMP certified facility. They're vegan. They're vegetarian. They'll have all of the merit badges on it. And so a person would go, wow, this is great. If it says made in the USA, look very, very closely and, and call them if you want, if, you, if you're uncertain because those products, and look at the label on the back, does it say mycelium, does it say myceliated grain or oats or something like that in the other, those are what you have to look for and, and that can tip you off right away. And and and, and listen, the, the interesting part about this is, is that a lot of these stores where you go into, the people working there, and and um, a lot of them are very knowledgeable, but even the knowledgeable ones don't know that much about mushrooms, and a lot of them have simply read the literature and been trained by the people that are selling these mushroom products to them, and they will point you to a product and say, oh, this is a really great product, not really knowing. I've spoken to these people. Most of them don't really know what's going on, So, so this is something that's very important because if you want to get the real benefits from a medicinal mushroom, you want to get the mushroom. You don't want to get a lot of grain powder. Okay, so then to recap, you said if on the label it says made in the USA or mycelium or mycelated grain, myceliated grain, yep. that those right. are, that tells that this is garbage. Absolutely. Well, and, and you know, I, I'm very hesitant to use that word because then I get, uh, you know. <laughs> I'll use it. <laughs> I'll, well, be, the, I'll you know, be the one to use it today. Dr. Carey, you know <laughs> what? The, the, this, is, this is the thing. You have experienced people, the same people that I have experienced where I get a phone call and the person says, uh, hi, I, I have cancer and I'm looking for a medicinal mushroom product and can you help? Can you imagine 
Can you imagine those people going out there? And yeah. and, and and you know what? I, I've also found a lot of naturopaths, a lot of herbalists, a lot of practitioners don't know either. I'm still educating those people because they don't know. And, and there are people out there on the Internet and the people that sell these products out there that are are looked upon by some as gurus and they're looked upon as people that know and most people know nothing about mushrooms and so so they're like well I'm just this person says that this product is good or his product is good or so I'm going to I'm going to go with them because he knows and I don't so so that's what happens people know green plants they know herbs and they can talk to herbalists and things like that but herbalists and naturopaths they too have been bamboozled by this so, Jeff, is there anything on the label that will tell us that this is likely to be a really good product? Well, one of the things that, that we do is that we test our products for beta-glucans. And, and, and here's what's really interesting, Dr. Carey, is that the beta-glucan, we, we've, we've been able to identify a test for specific mushroom beta-glucans, very specific, and this test unmasks everything. So... So all of our products will say X amount of beta-glucans. Some of these other products will say polysaccharides. And, and that's what's really interesting because beta-glucans are polysaccharides. But you know what else are polysaccharides? Starches. So, so products that talk about polysaccharides just go, okay, that's not what I'm interested in because that polysaccharides could be I mean, some extracts are made with carrier materials like maltodextrin and dextrose. So, so if you're measuring a product by polysaccharide, it is absolutely meaningless. Um, what you'd want to look for is you'd want to look for, um, does it talk about beta-glucans? I mean, one of the things that we do and the companies that buy from us, they will put on their label X amount of beta-glucans. That's one thing you can look for. The other thing is, if, you're, if you've got one of these mushroom products right now, I urge you, open up the capsule, taste it. What does it taste like? Most of these products are bland. They're bland because of the grain. Sometimes they're a little bit sweet because of the grain. Can you imagine? You've got a reishi product, and it says reishi mushroom. You open it up, reishi's bitter. You open up this product, and you taste it, and it's like, huh, it tastes kind of sweet. That is because it's mostly grain. It's not a reishi product. Or, believe it or not, some of the manufacturers of these products, when they're out there selling, because they, they're selling it to the food market, they will say things like, and our products do not taste like mushroom. And I'm thinking, my God, you're actually saying that? There's a reason why they don't taste like mushroom, because they say, oh, it, it will go with anything. It doesn't taste like mushroom. It's like, well... Wouldn't I want it to taste like mushroom if it's a real mushroom product? I mean, some of the mushrooms are delicious. Shiitake, pour out that shiitake and see what it tastes like. It should be rich in flavor. Shiitake is a wonderful flavor. But these myceliated grain products taste mostly like grain powder. And most of them look the same. They'll be kind of a light color. Um mushrooms will have some of them will have very dark brown colors some of them will be light like a lion's mane will be light but but taste it does it have a mushroom taste or does it taste like basic flour that that's a, a real tell and you know we do a, a reishi challenge when we're out there doing a trade show or something where we'll have a a little dish of, of reishi extract we'll have a little dish of of one of these myceliated grain product and People will taste the myceliated grain and go, huh, that tastes, they t that tastes kind of good. Yeah, a little bit sweet. Yeah, not bad. And then they taste the reishi extract with all the bitterness in it. And they go, oh, my God, that tastes medicinal. Yeah, it does. That's what real reishi should taste like. Okay, so a good product would have, it should say on the ingredients label, beta-glucans. And should Correct. have a relative amount, like contains, you know, more than 20% or 25% beta-glucans. Generally speaking, that's correct. And also make sure that, uh, again, that it doesn't say mycelium somewhere on that back panel because that would be an immediate like, okay. And, and, and look, you know, 
some of these products, what they say and what they'll sell on, they'll say, oh, this has got, um, this is what they call, they'll say, a full spectrum. And we have mycelium. We have what they call fruiting body, which is their term for a mushroom. We have uh, spores. We have other compounds in there. So we are full spectrum. This is absolutely nonsense because the fact is, is that those companies do not produce mushrooms, and, and uh, if they do, it might be in there in a small amount. But what they what they actually reference, if you get down to the details, is they say, oh, at a certain point, our myceliated grain produces primordia, and a primordia is the very initial stage of a mushroom, and that primordia is about the size of the head of a pin. It is still nothing more than an aggregate of mycelium. So all of those, when when you hear some company talking about full spectrum, that's another tell that this is a product that they want to claim has mushroom in it, but it really doesn't. And interesting part is that Recently, I saw a video of one of these companies that uh, a local station did on this big business that was in their neighborhood, and they showed you the whole process, and, and I kept looking at it going, okay, you know, are they going to show the room growing all these mushrooms? Well, no, of course not. They, they didn't show that at all, and what they did show is, is at the very end, they showed this myceliated grain being busted up and put on screens and loaded into a dryer, and you could look at that going, well, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't see any mushrooms here anyway. There weren't any mushrooms because it was just this myceliated grain, and that's what they were showing right there, not there even though they make claims about full spectrum and, and call their products mushroom, and it's just a bait and switch is all it is. It's just a true bait and switch. So, Jeff, just to um, cover one more point, because I know I'm going to be getting this question from patients because I use a lot of lion's mane in mm-hmm. my practice for patients that have dementia, mm-hmm. Alzheimer's, cognitive decline, because it can help with brain health yep. and uh, nerve growth. Um, and that lion's mane generally does have a Swedish taste. That, that, that is normal. That That is normal. But again, you have to be very careful because the um, um, these products that are manufactured uh, on grain, these myceliated grain products, grain... Dr. Carey is is generally kind of Swedish, so so you can't really be certain. You need to check check uh, very closely. And and one of the things I, I'm going to do too is is uh, I will uh, certainly alert your listeners to where they can get some of our products to be able to to test it. And and uh, um, you as well. Uh, I, I've got a coupon for you so you can try our products because I really want you to try it and then you can taste it. And the other thing here, here's a really interesting little test that anybody can do. Buy a little bottle of iodine. Take that product that you've got and stir it into a quarter of a cup of water. Take two, two capsules or something. Stir it in there. Put some iodine drops in there. If it is starchy, it will turn black. It will absolutely turn black immediately, and it will stay black. That's just another very simple way to test one of these products because a lot of your um, listeners or, I don't know, you know, your patients, because I'm, I'm sure you're saying, well, you should do take some lion's mane. Well, off they go to the store, and here it is. There's like 10 different products there. And I'll tell you right now, 80% of those products are going to be myceliated grain. And the store uh, clerk will say, oh, yeah, this one here, uh, this one's very popular. The popular products in most cases are not what you want to buy here. And, uh, and, and also just something that you should know is this, this clinical trial, and I'll send you the, the uh, study, they took three grams, simply three grams of dried lion's mane powder three grams so so that's something where where whether it's like like what we sell retail on the internet is a a pouch of 60 grams so you know that's that's something where you can you know measure out and get three grams or or the other thing is if you have 
fresh lion's mane, and there are parts, especially in the bigger cities, where you can buy fresh lion's mane. Well, three grams, that's, that's only 30 grams of fresh lion's mane. And what I would say is, is to, to make sure you're getting the benefits, you'd probably take twice that. But, but I, just, I just weighed up some mushrooms a couple days ago. I took some of the button mushrooms that you see out there, and they're, and they're pretty solid. They're, they're heavy little mushrooms. But I took just a medium-sized one. I put it on the scale. It was 40 grams, one mushroom. So, so a person could actually get from, let's say, two or three fresh lion's mane, they could get a very good amount of those beta-glucans and those other compounds in lion's mane, which are called hericinones and arinocines. They could actually get those compounds just from eating the fresh lion's mane. Jeff, how can our listeners find out more about you? And uh, can you mention your websites? And do you have a website where the public can buy mushrooms from you direct? My company website, and and the name of my company is Namex, N-A-M-M-E-X. Our website's namex.com. I encourage people to come there, especially for all the information that we have there about all things mushroom. We have very, very deep content there. And then if you're interested in actually buying some of our products, um, we have a website called realmushrooms.com and that's where we sell our products direct to um, the public uh, and mostly from our websites all online a website or or uh, Amazon realmushrooms.com Namex is a is a raw material supplier so we supply other companies and they put our products out under their label again if you see products out there that that talk about beta-glucans it's probably our raw materials but you can please come to Namex, check out our information, a lot of information there. And if you have any questions, just email us. We'd be happy to, to uh, answer your questions. And uh, then you can get the products directly from realmushrooms.com. Jeff, thank you for being my special guest today. This has been an awesome interview, and I've learned a lot. You're very welcome. I'm, I'm very happy that you invited me on. And, and uh, anytime you want to talk mushrooms... Just give me a call. I'll give you a call, yeah. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) All right, that wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Jeff Chilton. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next time for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Kiri Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carey.